0: Welcome, my name is Cindy, I am a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this workshop. Hi, Hi. please join me in the serenity prayer. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and and the wisdom wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous. To protect our anonymity, No photograph, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may purchase outside in the foyer. This workshop will have speakers followed by Ask It Basket questions. During the workshop... Please keep the basket moving. The topic for this session is uncover, discover, recover, road work ahead, and the principle, and the principle is purpose. We will begin with a section from the question and answer, page 19. The steps are suggestions on our suggestions on based on the experience of recovering OA members. Members who make an earnest effort to follow these steps and to apply them in daily living get far more of our OA than to those members who merely come to meetings and don't do the serious emotional and spiritual work involved in the steps. So with that, let's welcome Puman, our first speaker.
1: I'm Poonam, compulsive reader. I am so grateful to this program. Is, uh, can somebody show me the time, please? Yes. So five, five every, five, every five? Yes, please. Thank you. I am so grateful to this program. I came into the program 13 years ago, approximately, and I weighed 100 pounds more than I weigh today. I was 240 pounds. I wore clothes, 22 to size 24. I was bursting out of those, and I was just being stubborn about going up another size. I felt hopeless, completely hopeless. I was thinking of bariatric surgery because I had tried every single diet on the planet, and nothing had worked for me. And I remember I was a compulsive overeater since about age five. That's when, I'm... and that's when, put yeah? yeah, put it down. Yeah. Now you hear better. Okay. So I, um, I was hopeless. I felt hopeless. I felt very desperate when I came to this program almost by accident. And the moment I walked through the doors, I felt this was home. Because here were my people. These people in the meeting, it was a small meeting, were talking about what was happening inside of me. And I had never met another person like that before. I stayed. Even though in the beginning it was a pink cloud for me, I started yo-yoing. And for many years, I kept coming back to the program because I'd already tried everything that was out there and nothing had worked. So I didn't know where else I could go. Then one day in a meeting, I heard some woman share. She said that food had become low-grade static for her and she felt the presence of a higher power palpably around her. She felt she could reach out and touch her higher power. That's what I wanted. I wanted food to become low-grade static for me because food was a battle for me every single day, even though I was coming to the meetings. So after the meeting, I asked her to tell me what she was doing, what was working for her. She said, and that's where the process of uncovering began for me. She said, first of all, I want you to take five minutes and write, what is it about the program that keeps you, what is it that keeps you from giving yourself fully to the program? What are your fears? I didn't think I was afraid of anything. But because I trusted her recovery so much, I decided to do that. I said, just for five minutes? like, yeah. So for the next two, three days, I started writing, what is it that I was afraid of that prevented me from truly giving myself to the program? And my fears started coming out. I was afraid of starving because any time I had tried a diet, I knew I was starving. And, of course, thin people in my mind were starving people. How else could they be thin? (laughs) I was afraid of giving up my favorite foods. I was afraid of being thin. I I had been overweight, overweight most of my life. I was afraid of so many things, and some of them were kind of silly, and some of them. So once I saw them, once the cover came off that, it became easy for me. And the other thing she told me is that she did a written daily 10th step. And I started doing that the way she was doing it. And I realized the way she did it was by writing down step three prayer, word for word. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, etc. So I would write down the prayer word for word, and then I would begin writing, God, I'm afraid. God, I'm angry. God, I'm resentful. And let it all pour out. And the key is for me to be completely honest between myself and the page and my higher power. And then call somebody and turn it over. So this began the process of daily uncovering because it never was about the food. I was compulsively overeating every day. Most of the meals when I came into the program, I ate till I felt completely stuffed because I didn't have any other full mechanism till I felt stuffed and uncomfortable and sometimes I hurt from the overeating. And Today, I realize that for me, uncovering is the hardest work. That's the part that is difficult, is uncovering. But that's the most crucial, critical part. I have to uncover what is happening inside of me. I have to be able to see what's happening because that's the stuff that's eating me. It's not the food. That's the stuff that drives me to eat. And once I'm willing to do The uncovering, the discovery happens effortlessly because that's the result of uncovering, and the recovery is spontaneous. The two go hand in hand. But uncovering is where the work is, and uncovering is the nugget. That's what leads me to recovery. That's what leads me to true freedom and letting go of the food. So I started doing the daily 10th step, I started seeing what my issues were daily, what was squeezing me on the inside. I never knew I was such a fearful person. I'd, I didn't have fears, you know, I was kind of clueless before then. It made me extremely vulnerable to have to call somebody and give that away. It made me feel because one of the things, one of my character defects is to look really good in front of people. But this was like, unzipping myself and standing in front of a room full of people. And the other thing this person said, she became my sponsor, is that she didn't care who she read her 10th step to. It brought her relief. So she didn't care about that, and she was willing to read it to even a passerby on a street corner, as long as she felt good. And she trusted the program. So I adopted that. I trusted the program. If she wasn't available, I would call any random person on the program list and give it away. I've been doing the Daily Tenth now for six years. I have to do that every single day because stuff builds up. I don't even know it's building up, but it builds up. It's like a film on my inner mirror. The first day is a little bit hazy, and the next day it's clogged, and by the third day... Something is happening. you know. By third day, I'm sure to have a food dream. If it's a food dream, that's a sure sign my sewage system is blocked up, and I need to uncover and unclog. Then, of course, the most significant part of the uncovering was doing the 12 steps in a rigorous, honest way. I had fiddled with them before. I had done a fourth step before, but half measures availed me nothing. This time I realized that it was crucial for my recovery, so I started doing them as honestly, as searchingly as I possibly could. My sponsor suggested that I begin when I came to step four by doing a sexual inventory because I had been molested at a very young age over a period of time, like two and a half, three years, and and I had built up a lot of shame and isolation I was a defective piece somehow. I wasn't as good as other kids or as other women. And so she said, start with sexual inventory. Usually that comes later. So I made that as honest as I could. I gave it away to two different sponsors. And now I didn't have to carry the stuff with me. Once I saw it all on paper, I didn't have to carry it. I didn't have to relive it. I had other loving witnesses to the stuff that had happened. I could let go. I could forgive these people. One of them was an uncle of mine, and he died a few years ago. And I could trade emails with him, wish him the best, and feel compassion for him. And let go of my past. Also, I had carried this notion in my head that I owed serious amends to somebody in my life. It tormented me for years, for years. And I was so terrified of it that I was afraid to even get to step eight and nine. My sponsor kept urging me to get there and get there and get there. When I got there, she said, I didn't owe any amends at all. So it's my own inner sickness. I had to lift the lid. And doing the step work was like lifting the lid to the big cauldron the witch's cauldron that was just seething with really seriously ill-making stuff. And the other thing she said to me is eat lightly, don't pat it up. Because I realized that food situations and big social situations took me out of myself. And she said those situations especially... Be very present. Eat lightly, so you can see what is coming up for you. Be cleanly abstinent. So I started seeing and writing about the daily stuff that was coming up in certain situations, family situations, when I'm when I'm with my sisters, situations, um, when I'm in other social situations. I started seeing and keeping. But the abstinence, keeping a close eye on the food, praying before I put the food on my table, and that really, I don't know which comes first, the chicken or the egg, the abstinence or the uncovering, but they go together for me. So if I'm cleaner around with the food, more powerfully I feel the things that come up through the floorboards for me. So in my daily writing, I, I usually write before I eat lunch because that's when I'm feeling everything coming up. And once I've eaten, nothing is bothering me quite as much, even though I'm eating an abstinent meal that's measured and weighed, everything. But still, food tends to take me out. The other thing that helps me uncover is meditation. I've been meditating regularly for a few years now, The same sponsor said to me, you used to get so much out of meditation. Why did you give it up? So I started meditating regularly. I've been meditating twice a day at least ever since for six, seven years, six years. And um, when I meditate, the stuff that's swirling just settles down and I see things. I know the direction that I, I need to go into Sometimes I'm not sure exactly the way I'm seeing things is how it is. But when I meditate, I get the inner direction, and I know that's how something is. And so it brings me home. It brings me to myself. It uncovers. Uh, There's discovery in it. There's guidance in it. And it's really important to me. The other thing that has helped me uncover is sit in a meeting And think about what is truly happening with me. What is current at that moment in my life. And speak the truth about it. Because I'm somebody who finds it very important to look good. So it's really important that I speak my truth. Without worrying about how I look in that meeting. And once I share honestly, something shifts in me. Something changes. And unless I speak up about it. Nothing is going to change. In fact, I know it's going to build up. It's like an avalanche. I'll just, snow is going to keep piling. But I have to say that all these put together, my life started changing slowly. When I started doing the 10th step, beginning with the step three prayer and ending with step seven prayer, my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, the good and the bad. I pray that you now relieve from me every defect of lift from me every defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and others. Once I started and did I mix up the prayers? Because when I'm speaking it's different. When I'm writing it's just spontaneous. When I when I finish writing, it somehow puts me in a place where I'm ready to set it down and give it up. I haven't been giving it up every single day now. But the moment there is extra charge to something that's happening inside of me and it comes in the writing, then it becomes really important that I call someone and give it away. Because somehow giving it away does... I get the uncovering and the discovery in the process of writing. But giving it away... Gives me relief and it brings about change. In the process of this, I started seeing what my daily issues were. And one of the things started happening is I started bringing compassion to myself. It started happening. I could see myself that was suffering with all these things. These are my daily issues, they come up in some form or the other. One of my issues is, or is thinking I'm not good enough, I'm not enough. I started seeing that, yes, I'm good enough, I do enough, I'm hardworking, that I strive to be as honest as I possibly can be. And a lot of, I started being able to show up in the world in a different way, And of course, the moment I started doing this writing of uncovering, food became low-grade static. The very first year I did it, about 30 pounds or something like that fell away. My focus no longer was on food. My focus was on discovery and and uncovering. And it it was a miracle. I had struggled with food for so many years, but food was secondary. And I realized that I started changing. One of the powerful changes I found is that for many years in my marriage, I used to be an insecure, jealous wife. But doing this work, I started seeing myself as being good enough, as being enough, and I was no longer jealous. I don't know why. I don't know how the connection is, but... But I wasn't. And my husband decided to become a nurse. The nursing field is all women. He was (laughs) hanging out with women all day, studying in cafes. I didn't care. I didn't care. In fact, it was a little bit strange for him. He was kind of guarded in the beginning, telling me who he was studying with. I didn't care. And then he moved to North Dakota for a year for a job, and he had two of his classmates living across the hall. I didn't care. And it is so wonderful because he works in an all-women world, practically, here now in California, and it is fine with me. So I realized that things changed for me in lots of ways. It made my abstinence strong. And I realized today that it's not food and rich, excess food that feeds me. What feeds me today is being connected with myself in a powerful way, being connected with my higher power, spending time with my loved ones, particularly my kids, meditating, connecting with nature when I walk, and most of all, if I can show up in the most authentic way and be myself, that really feeds me. Whereas excess food just led me to self-hatred and feeling bad about myself. I was driving the other day, and I heard something on the radio about Time magazine article about big losers. People who had lost 100 pounds gained it back in five years. I know that I'm that big loser. I lost 100 pounds. I'm no different. I'm a compulsive overeater of the highest order. I stole food. I stole money to feed myself. I ate out of the garbage can. I ate and overate every single day with resolving to do something differently the next day. So I'm that kind of compulsive overeater. It's a total miracle that I'm standing here in front of my fellowship, my people, feeling recovery, and talking recovery. But the only thing that is different between me and that big loser is that a miracle has happened for me. I've been shown a new way of living, really a new way of living, something I could not have fathomed when I came into the program. And recovery is mine as long as I'm willing to do this work one day at a time. The work of uncovering That's the only work I need to do. Everything else, connection with my higher power, is spontaneous. The food falls away. That is spontaneous. And the recovery is granted. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, please keep the basket circulating. And um, our second speaker is Mary Lou.
2: Uh, Hi, my name is Mary Lou. I'm a compulsive overeater, and my ego is very nervous. And my higher power is not worried. Um, okay, so here we go: uncover, discover, recover. Well, when I was thinking about this topic, well, I'll just I'll just uh, qualify by saying that I came into the program 1983. For two and a half years, I struggled putting down the food, and I became absent 1986. So um, I am very grateful um, to be absent still today. And just very grateful that you guys have kept me abstinent um, and kept me here all this time. Because um, for me, there's there's just nowhere else to go. Um, this is my place. This is where I want to stay. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really nervous. I don't know why, except that I'm trying to do it myself instead of asking God for help here. Um, OK, so well, before I came into the program, um, the food, you know, was my best friend, you know, and, and I guess you can all relate to this, but it's just that I didn't know any other way to cope with anything. Um, the, the best way that I could get through a day was to be able to put whatever I wanted in my mouth whenever I wanted it to, to make me feel okay. Um, I was, but I, okay, when I look at these three words, reco- uh, uncover, discover, recover I tried to think okay I need to uncover what the problem is and I need to discover what the solution is and I need to live in that solution in order to recover so basically that's what I wanted to talk about that before I came into the program I didn't know anything about this disease I didn't know it was called compulsive overeating I didn't know I had a problem I just thought I was fat and I couldn't stay on a diet and that there was something wrong with me because I couldn't i just couldn 't stay on a diet, and i I would just be totally frustrated anyway. I want to read from the big book this, um, this uh, paragraph from the doctor 's opinion that somebody gave me a copy of the big book um, I, I, I got to the meetings because I was looking for a solution in every church I could find. So I, was in, I went to a whole bunch of churches, and I was baptized in all different kinds of ways, thinking that if I was just you know, baptized in the right church, then the compulsion would leave me, and I wouldn't be obsessed with food. And, and, and it never worked. But what did work was someone in one of those churches brought me to Overeaters Anonymous. And I got a copy of the big book. And I remember the first time I read, in the doctor's opinion, this paragraph, it was like, oh my gosh, someone understands who I am. So it says... Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. That was me. I loved the effect of food. I loved what food did to me. It calmed me down. It made me feel great. Um, I was happy when I got my food, got my fix, it was all wonderful. So that was me. I, I love the effect. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. And that was true. I was really miserable in the food. Once Once I crossed that line, once it started to be, you know, my enemy, once I crossed that line, I couldn't tell the difference between what was, what was good and what was bad. You know, I still thought eating was the solution that that was the answer that that was good, and it wasn't it was killing me, okay, so to them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one yeah I, I I didn't know any other way. I thought either I was going to be starving to death on some diet or binging. I thought that was normal, and that was going to be the rest of my life. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks. And, you know, that was me. Drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over. I was blown away. It was like how... This is page XXII, in the doctor's opinion, and over to XXIII. Um, no, this is what I... I under, It was like they understood me. It was like I had never had the words for what I did day after day, that same thing, the well-known stages of a spree, you know, remorse, the firm resolution not to do it again. I just couldn't believe it. It was like, then it caught me. You know, it was like, uh, maybe others said, like, like, I've heard other speakers say, like, oh, come on, you know. Just watch what you eat or come on, just what, you know, like my mother used to say, you're a compulsive eater. That was before I even knew what that term meant. I know my mother didn't know what it meant. She just saw the way I ate, just always putting something in my mouth. She said, you know, you're compulsive, you're compulsive eater. And that's, you know, that's exactly what people would think. But it was like, no, these people understood. Okay. So it said, on the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had many problems, he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. And it was like, okay, so, gosh, um, I had this all planned out in my head um, before I got up here, and now I get up here, and it's like it's all out of my head, so I'm, I'm not sure. Um I definitely know that okay I uncovered the problem the problem was this thing about craving the problem was I nobody else understood this thing about craving that I had to eat they didn't understand that I had to eat because I'd get that craving for that food again and I and I just had to eat and it said this thing about you know, unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there's very ho- little hope for his recovery, and that kind of scared me because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what a psychic change meant, so the solution it says on the next page, all these and many others have one symptom in common: they cannot start drinking without developing the phenomena of a craving. I'd never heard this about craving, except that's what I experienced. But I didn't hear about it until I read it in this book. The phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been, by any treatment with which we are familiar, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And for me, that was, the, that was the, the solution, abstinence. And for me, it was to those foods that set up this craving, and they were all the high-carbohydrate foods and sugars that I binged on. I, I, that, you know, the, so I uncovered the problem was that I was different. I had an allergy of the body. And it, it says later in the chapter, an obsession of the mind. I could not stop eating um, because I, I had this allergy that these certain foods I was addicted to and I couldn't stop eating. And then the solution said I had to have a psychic change. And I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know how to get there except then it said they suggested abstinence. For me, that meant put down those foods that I cannot stop eating. And okay, so how do you do that? Well, it says in Tradition 3, you know, we have to have a desire. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. I don't know if I had that desire. I had the desire to be free of that monkey on my back. I was so sick and tired of that thing that just, I, you know, it was like this, yeah, monkey on my back that I just couldn't stop eating no matter how many times I said this will be the last time, you know, I'm not going to do this again all these things, I just, you know, I just couldn't stop. Um, I didn't know if I had the desire to stop eating, compulsi- eating compulsively because for two and a half years I fought that because I thought I got to have that loophole somewhere in the back of my mind that says if something really bad happens, I can eat again. And, you know, I used to think, you know, back then, well, if, if you know, if, I, if my parent died, if, you know, come on, give me a break. I can eat then. You know, come on, you guys aren't that, you know... I mean, I got to eat over something, you know, be able to eat over something, because these things are painful. Now, I was eating over that the red light wouldn't change, you know, so, you know, I just figured, okay, I'll, I'll stop eating over that, but, you know, not when something big happens. And, you know, by the time my father did pass away 10 years ago, and I had been in the program a long time, you know, the first thing I did when I got off the plane and got to my mother's house was take out every Tupperware there was in the cabinets and, and prepared meals. And had all my meals planned and, and packed away in these Tupperwares in the refrigerator, so at my meal time, I went and got my Tupperware and ate my meal versus whatever the people were bringing into the house and all this other stuff anyway um, so uh, anyway the de- so where was I going with that the, de- the desire you know came from the pain of what it was like when I was in the food. I had to remember what it was like. The, the monkey on my back, the, the no freedom, you know, um, that, that was an impetus to, to come to this program and to look for the solution. Um, you know, the last speaker really touched on something that once she said it, I realized that this is really, you know, what I wanted to say was, you know, uncovering the problem, which the problem is, is addiction, I'm addicted to these certain foods. The solution is put down those foods. That's the solution. But am I willing, honest, like the the H-O-W, am I honest enough to say that I am different when it comes to these foods? I am different. I am not a normal eater. I can't have, like, a little portion of this, uh, you know, in my meal. I just, for me, it doesn't work. I, I cannot have a little. Of those foods um, I have to be honest about that I have to be open-minded to what the people in the program are offering me as the way out and yes it was the steps but at first it was put the fork down put the food down I had to do that in order to get to the part that said okay now how do I stay in recovery I work the steps and the, what I was thinking was I just wanted to read the third step prayer again because I think this is all in, like, uncover the problem, step one, you know, discover the solution, which is a higher power, step two, put the food down, and step step three is really what the recovery is about because it says in the prayer on page 63... Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as you will. Well, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not using the thou and the Wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Of your power, your love, and your way of life, may I do your will Always. And that's kind of, to me, is everything. You know, take away the things that are blocking me from you so that I can be of service to others. Isn't that what the whole purpose of the steps when we get up to step 12? It's to be of service to someone else, to carry the message of hope that we don't have to compulsively overeat again. We do not, you know, and we only have today. So, like, from the time, from right now, we don't have to compulsively overeat um, for this one day, if you know, and anyway, just to, to carry that message. Um, seek God and recover that, that, that's all that, that's what it comes down to for me is like, I have to just go to God with everything. I mean, that's what, when I'm working steps four through 12, that's all like something to be doing while God's really doing the miracle in my life. Um, I have to find something that's going to replace the food. Otherwise, I'm going to go back to the food. So I have to have a relationship with a higher power that makes sense to me. Someone that I can ask for help just constantly through the day, help. Just help me deal with whatever, the feelings, the, you know whatever I'm working on in my steps, whatever character defect is coming up, whatever thoughts are in my head, just keep asking God for help and to go to God instead of the food. And that, you know, it's it's a, it's a big, big uh, you know, the shore, it's a big river to cross. There's one shore that says the food is there for me and how easy just to pick it up and deal, you know, just shove down the feelings, numb out, forget about whatever it is that's bothering me just sit over there and eat or, you know, cross the river and and look for God and get help and and not have to go back to the food. God has answered every single time I've asked for help, you know, um, if I sincerely want the help and not the food. Um, How much? I don't know. uh, Oh, Good. I am not sure what I have said in the last fifteen minutes. It is nothing that I prepared to say. Um I see a lot of yawns, and it's probably a probably bad time of the afternoon um okay, i'm going to read one more thing, maybe it, that's what it is, but in bill's story, and somebody read this to me the other day, and you know so i'm I just feel like this was this was really good okay Bill's in the hospital, and it he says. I was separated from alcohol for the last time, so I just want to clarify that, that he put the he put the bottle down. He wasn't drinking, he wasn't drinking when he did the steps after he did stopped drinking. So for me, I, I, that's important to me because I have to not be in the food in order to do this. I, I have to like the food's got to be a non-issue because now I have a food plan, weigh and measure the food, you know, know what I'm eating, have a sponsor, talk about it. You know, that's how I keep the food down. I I take action around it. You know, I go to the grocery store and buy the groceries. I come home, I cook the groceries. I pack it in the Tupperware. I travel a lot. I pack up my meals. I have my meals, some of them with me at the convention. You know, that's how I keep it in order. Not like, oh, God's taking care of it and I don't have to do anything and now I'm going to seek a spiritual path. My spiritual path is putting the food on the scale and measuring it. I mean, if if anything, that's the most spiritual thing I do in my whole life. Um, surrender and say, you know, my, your will, God, with the food, you know, which is me taking care of it. And, and then I get to... Um, to look at the rest of it. And he says here at the hospital there, I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away root and branch. I have not had a drink since. And to me, that sounds like, you know, six and seven. You know, four, five, six, and seven. That's how he did the steps. Okay, then he said, my schoolmate visited me. I, I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. So, you know, it sounds like four and five. We made a list of people I had hurt or to whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals admitting my wrong. Never was I be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. So 8 and 9. Okay, he did these things. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt. Sounds like 11. 10 and 11. Okay. Um, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself, except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. He said, my friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. And the way of living was that, for me, what I believe is that relationship with a higher power. And it started for me when they told me from day one to get on my knees in the morning, Get out of bed, get on my knees, and ask for help. And at night, get on my knees and thank God. And just that's how the relationship started, and it just keeps growing. The more I just continue to make that a habit of saying, God, I need your help. It used to be, I don't need help, just give me something to eat. I don't have a problem, just give me something to eat. There's nothing wrong, I'm fine, just give me something to eat. Now I have to say, God, I am miserable. I need your help. I'm having feelings. I need your help. I'm having emotions. I need your help. Help me, help me, help me. I can't deal with this because I know I'm going to go back to food unless God comes through. And God has always come through. If I give him time, if I give him a little time, you know, but, you know, um, Always, always, always I've had I don't have to go back and as painful as those times are, you know, it, it sucks. But we have each other. I don't have to do it alone. I don't have to do it alone. I don't have to do it alone. And um you don't either. We none of us have to do it alone. We're all together now, right? And um and there is a solution. And thank you for listening, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Let's thank our speakers for sharing their experience of hope. And um, so I have the questions from the ask. It, I have the questions from the ask it basket. If um, you have additional questions, I guess after I ask the first question, I'll start sending the basket around again. So the first question is: I'm new to the 12-step programs. Can you define, uncover, and discover?
1: For me, I cook a lot.
2: We can't
1: see it, though. Oh. Oh. For me, I cook a lot, and uncovering, and I'm very connected to food, uncovering is just like taking the lid off the pot and looking in. So for me, uncovering is what's happening emotionally with me that is driving me to eat. I might not be even aware that these are the things that are driving me to eat. But there is something simmering. Every day, something comes up. Something comes up. Um, For instance, yesterday, I have lots of aunts visiting from India, and they were joking around about what a great choice I had made in a husband. I saw his good qualities, and I didn't go for looks at somebody they were talking about... So I walked up to them and I said no you give me much more credit than you think. I thought he was really handsome. And that's what I saw. And they started laughing for a minute and then she said but but what did he see in you? He saw what did he see in you? He saw your good qualities. Meaning there was nothing in terms of looks. And I realized that that's the message I got growing up, that I lacked. I lacked. I wasn't good enough. But, but you know, I did writing, and it's, it doesn't touch me anymore. From all my uncoverings, today I know that I'm an attractive woman, and I'm capable, and I show up in the world... In as authentic a way as I can. But that comes from uncovering. And it's uncovering that sustains me and connects me with my higher power. Makes abstinence possible because I would not be abstinent unless I was able to uncover and see what's happening. Because things like this happen. This is just one example. Things like this happen in daily life. If it's not my auntie who means well, it could be somebody else who I don't even know. It could be something that would trip me so fast that I would be in the food without knowing why I'm shoveling something in my mouth, and then regret later. So for me, uncovering is just looking at what's happening on the inside. Thank
2: you. I'm not sure if I can add more to that. That was a great analogy. Um, but again, I, I I'm just thinking when I think about it, it's like uncovering fact that I'm a compulsive overeater, you know, like that I have this disease, that I didn't know it was a disease. I just thought, again, I was like heavy, like to eat, you know, ate more than everybody else in the family, you know, gained weight more than anybody else in the family. Like, like I didn't know it had anything to do with a disease. So I don't know. And discovering, um, that, you know, there's, there's a solution. I don't know. That's why I keep thinking of when I'm Thinking of those
0: terms. Okay. Panam, this question's for you. How exactly do you meditate?
1: I follow the transcendental method of meditation. And not because I'm partial to it, it just so happened that I was in India. And an uncle of mine who's been practicing this for decades, I ran into him and he showed me. I know that it's difficult and expensive. I know it's expensive to learn that here. And I do not want to uphold one method of meditation over the other. So for me, it's just, he said, if you meditate 20 minutes before eating your food twice a day, morning and evening, something will happen in your life. And I'm a curious person. If somebody says do it only for two months and see what happens, I want to know. Two months I can do it, not for two years. So I started doing that. But basically I close my eyes, I sit, I focus on a particular sound, and you could focus. I mean, I'm not a meditation teacher and not qualified to do that. And then just let thoughts wander through my head because he told me if thoughts wander... That's just fine. It's like ripples rising to the top of the pond. And, and that's it. And just let it be. And slowly, my mind, my mind settles. You know, it's like the water becomes clear, and I'm connected. Thank you.
0: Mary Lou, um, this one's for you. What tools do you use when you are triggered to eat? a food that is not on your plan?
2: Well, I am very grateful to stand here now and say that does not happen often. I am so grateful. I am not triggered that often. When I first came into the program, my abstinence was three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, no white flour. And I did that for many years, but there was many times when I was triggered or the craving would come back. And then that's when I started to abstain from further um, high-carbohydrate foods, and those cravings have gone. I don't get that. I see some foods, but it's almost like it's like a, something plastic going by me, and I, I work around a lot of food, and I see a lot of food at work, and it it doesn't trigger me. And I, I know that's because the addiction, you know, I don't have those addictive substances inside me. And, and I don't. But the tools, all the tools. I mean, I'm on the phone. I go to meetings. I've got the sponsor. I read the literature. It's helpful. You know, I kind of got away from reading literature a little bit like on my own. So I find it very helpful when I make phone calls to use the literature and we'll read something from the literature, have like mini meetings. Um, you know, service. I do service. Um, what's the other? Anonymity. Just trying to see everyone as we're all equal, you know, That, you know, this that's kind of a good thing. Um, what are the other tools? Plan- oh, writing. Yeah, well, I picked that up. I know I could do more writing, but when I do write, and even, and I heard that was in the share too, when I, I love writing out the third-step prayer and the seventh-step prayer, and I try to write a gratitude list, you know, but, but it isn't like... Um, it isn't more like a certain food calls me. It's like like certain feelings, like when I get really lonely. It's not like I'm thinking of a certain food. I'm thinking I just want this feeling to go away, you know, and I don't know how to get this. And so like some huge amount of food would, would calm that down. But then I know I'm overtired, I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you know, so I'm on the phone, I reach out to others. I don't sit with it alone for 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 I know it's very dangerous once I have those kind of feelings like I just want to eat. I do not sit with it very long. No. Um pick up all the tools and but but I am so grateful that those it's not like I get that triggery thing like I used to.
0: And I am so grateful. Okay, this one's for either of you. How are steps six and seven related to uncovering, discovering, and recovery? That's steps six and seven. Did I say that?
2: Okay. For, for me, that's like the recovery part, you know, the change. You know, we're, we're going to change. That's what they said. Change or what? Somebody else just shared at the other workshop, change or die. But it was like, change for me it's like you know change or i'm going to go back to the food like i have to change my way of thinking my way of thinking was i can't get through this particular situation unless i eat i mean that that was you know that's how i thought i'm going to die if i don't eat my sponsor used to say die but don't eat and you know and it was every night every night i went to bed and i thought i was going to die that I, how could I make it before breakfast without eating from supper to breakfast? I really thought I was going to die because all these feelings and she'd say that die, but don't eat. I never, you know, I'm still here. The feelings did not kill me, but what was the question? Um, Oh, six and seven. Yeah. So, so the things that are bothering me, like or my way of thinking that's mixed up or maybe my behaviors that are mixed up. Like when I get really like the victim, like my neighbors are trying to, ruin my life or, you know, crazy things like this. My landlords are just trying to make life miserable. Um, I have to change my way of thinking mostly, and that, that's God's job. You know, he's going to change my way of thinking, but I've got to be willing to say, you know, this has got to change. And if it doesn't, I'm going to go back and eat. That, that's going to be my alternative. I know it is, because when I get into those, like they said, the resentments of fears you know, the dishonesty, the selfishness, I'm going to go back and eat. So, you know, I have to keep asking God for help. Every time those defects come up or I have to, you know, call my sponsor and talk for two hours about, you know, this jealousy I have or this envy or whatever. And, um, my option is to eat. So, so I'm going to do this other stuff. I'm going to be on the phone for two hours if I have to.
0: This is related. Can, for either of you, can one uncover and discover while overeating?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Because I was coming to the program for a long time. I kept coming to the program, when I first came to the program 13 years ago, I walked into a room of people, I was shaking, I had never, I was so desperate, and I heard everybody and I thought, in a most powerful way, I was home. For a while I was in the pink cloud, I lost some weight, I got a sponsor, or rather somebody walked up to me and said, would you be, I can be a temporary sponsor. I thought, yeah, temporary sponsor, I can live with that. So I was, I was on the pink cloud. Everything worked, and then it didn't. And um, but I kept coming back. I kept coming back because I'd done all the diets on the planet. I'd done everything else, and I didn't know where else to go. Would you repeat- Yeah, so that's what I was doing. I started, you know, the pink cloud faded. I was eating. I couldn't uncover or discover anything. I was feeling muddled, and I was beginning to feel hopeless, and I was beginning to look at other programs because I thought oh, because I'd been coming to OA for six or seven years. I was yo-yoing constantly, and I had seen people come into the program who would get something and change before my eyes. But that miracle wasn't happening for me. But the only reason I didn't walk out of the door is because I didn't know where else to go. Then in one meeting, I heard somebody say that she felt the presence of higher power palpably around her, so she could reach out and touch it. And I wanted the same experience. And, and food became low-grade static for her. I'm like, hey, it never became low-grade static for me. I was constantly struggling and trying to do the program at the same time. So after the meeting, I talked to her about it. And when I talked to her, I realized that I had to, I couldn't do the food and the program at the same time. I had to put the food down first. And um, what she said to me, which I couldn't, which I couldn't do, So she said to me, Why don't you take a couple minutes every day and write, What are you truly afraid of to work the program? I didn't think I was afraid of anything. She said, Yeah, she said, Just write two or three days, for the next two or three days, What are you truly afraid of to embrace the program? I didn't think I was afraid, but I trusted her recovery so much. She had the flaming bush of recovery around her. In my eyes, So just because I trusted her, I sat down and said, what am I truly afraid of? And it started coming out slowly. I was afraid that I was going to starve because thin people were starving people. I knew that. I was afraid I was going to starve. And I was afraid of so many things. I was afraid of being thin. I'd been overweight most of my life. Food was my best friend. I didn't know what else to do. Some of the other things were ridiculous. Some of the fears were so ridiculous. But, but these are some of the things I remember now. She said, yeah, just write. So I wrote for the next three, four days. And somehow doing that opened something up in me, and I was able to go back to her and say, would you be my sponsor? But I had to put the food down first. So,
0: Next question. How do we find? Wait, excuse me. How do you find the willingness to start your steps again?
2: Well, I don't know. When I was praying, when I was trying to get abstinent, after a couple of years of trying, I started writing every morning in my notebook. God, give. Uh, Help me be willing to be willing to be willing to be willing to do whatever I need to do today to be abstinent. And I would just, you know, either willing once or twice or whatever, you know, how many times I needed, because I needed to pray for the willingness. I used to read Step 3 in the AA Step book every morning, and it said the key to opening that door to God was willingness. Just be willing to let God in for, you know, just that little mini-second or whatever it is, let him in. Um, So now again, what was that? I know, this is bad memories here. Oh, to start again. Well, I don't know if I've had that... Well, I mean, I've done this... I don't know how to put it. It's like the steps are like how we live. So it's not like I did them once, now I'm going to, like, do them again. It's like, where are you today in the steps? You know, what what do you feel like's going on? What, um, you know, what is it? Are you, are you angry today about something? Are you, you know, basically the 10th step is, is what's gonna, you know, where you can just go to that step and say, okay, what, what am I? Am I being selfish about something, dishonest about something, afraid of something, resentful of something, you know, work that with your sponsor. What's going on? Um, is it the ego that's in the way? Well, maybe I'm on step seven. You know, like, it's not like I say, oh, I'm going to start over. and st-. I'm always on like step one, two, and three. I'm constantly, you know, I'm always a compulsive overeater who has no way out of the problem, who needs to go to God because there's no other solution, who's willing to say, okay, God, I'll maybe let you take control of my day. You know, let's see what you do with it um you know i have a sponsor so you're going to have somebody ca- asking you what's going on and you get to talk about your part you know so you kind of like living it like i love this little card they got out now get one at the literature table you know 12 stepping a problem it, it's so good it just goes through those questions and just kind of you know so it's not like okay i got to get a new workbook and i got to start over on the steps and i got to you know start doing this or that again it's kind of like this is they're all, you know, all working together for, and you're you're living it. It's like just a new way of thinking about life. So I don't I don't know. I mean, I just started the steps over again in another program r- doing a workbook, but I mean, um kind of like you know you're going to get more freedom. But just see where you're where you're at right now is my suggestion.
0: Okay, this is the last question, unless anyone has a question. So, and I'm not even sure if it's for our group, but it was in the basket, so I'm going to read it. (laughs) And and the reason is because it's a sex inventory. So, like, yeah, we weren't talking about it. Uh, Okay, well, then maybe it's your question. Shame and isolation. I have suffered throughout my 72 years for something I didn't deserve to have done to me. I finally found that my... Um, side of the street was that I had um, drugged the shame and isolation through my life th- through my lifetime and to let go. So it's a statement, but I guess they made one. Um, I had drugged the shame and, like, so my side of the street was that I had drugged the shame and isolation through my lifetime and um, time to let go. So I guess it's time to let it go, the person.
1: For me, I had been molested at a very young age uh, when I talked to my mother about it, but I never ever spoke about it to my parents or anybody. But I felt tainted growing up as a child. I was different from other kids, I had some horrible secrets. And it started at a young age. So when I talked to my mom, she said you were only two and a half, three years old when that started. And um, so it was it was over the years, through my teens, you know, different experiences. And uh, I felt when I came into the program, I felt I carried a sh- a, a huge tower of Of shame with me no matter where I went and I was different I was tainted I wasn't good enough etc and my sponsor who was a wise woman she said you need to when I came to step 4 she said you need to do a sexual inventory for most people that comes later but that's what you need to do first and I decided I wanted the only I had done the 12 steps before with another sponsor when I was on the pink cloud And of course, I had found the easiest, softest, gentlest way, and it had availed me nothing. This time, I resolved to be as honest and as searching and thorough as I could. So I did a detailed inventory. It took me a long time, tiny little script, pages and pages. And I gave it away. It brought me such relief. I didn't have to relive all this stuff anymore. I didn't have to carry it with me. I could set it down because somebody else was in on it now. I could open the windows, let the sun shine. I could go on. There was no reason for me to carry it with me anymore. I didn't go on past step five with the sponsor, I got a new sponsor. Um, because the sponsor said she couldn't sponsor me anymore for her own reason. She was very clear it had nothing I had done wrong. So with my new sponsor, I, since the sexual inventory was such a big part of me, since I had felt like a tainted product my whole life, and not as good enough as other girls who seemed innocent and uncaring, I I decided to give away the sexual inventory once again, But on top of that, I did a searching and thorough inventory of all my other relationships and everything else that I'd been resentful about. And um, it set me free. It set me free. So now I had two witnesses to this. There was no reason for me to carry this stuff around through the rest of my life. I could take it out in the yard and burn it in a little potted container. And that was the end. So...
0: So if there's no more questions, um, it's time to close the meeting or the session. Please stand and join hands as we close with the third step prayer.